So What is a podcast from The Gathering at Crossings Community Church. This podcast exists to help young adults navigate real life and cultural topics in light of what the Bible says. The Gathering meets weekly on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. at Crossings Community Church. It is a place for young adults in their 20s and 30s to belong and be known and become like Christ. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Hey guys, welcome to So What? This week on the podcast, we're doing something a little bit different. So as you know, for the past couple of weeks, we've been recapping um, our gathering message on Tuesday and just kind of going a little bit deeper and talking about different questions that we might have or things we've cut out that we wanted to reinsert in there and just kind of talk more about. Um, So if you missed last night's lesson at the gathering, or I guess Tuesday's lesson at the gathering, um, Terry, one of our executive pastors, came and just talked about his story and how he came to faith. And so if you weren't there, I really encourage you to go back and listen to it. Um, He just has a very unique story as someone who explored every option and every uh, theological camp, background, philosophy, and landed on Christianity as the most logical conclusion. And so kind of talking through that, what we realized was there's not a lot of stories like that that get publicized of how people came to faith, um, not just by a feeling, but through logic and reason and just kind of intellectually. So today— Um, we have one of our pastors on staff, Matt Cartwright, and his story is a little bit similar to that. And just the way that he thinks, the way that he processes, I think it'd be really beneficial for us to talk through, listen to, and just get a different perspective. But before we launch into the nitty gritty, I have my opening question per usual. All right, let's hear it. Okay, let's hear it. (laughs) Drum roll. Um, Okay, so what is something that everyone else believes in that you— just think it's a little fishy that you don't fully believe in. I got it. You got one. it? Oh, I got he's one. got it. I think I just, I just recently saw something posted on like, like a meme or something uh-huh. online. And, and it was, it was hilarious because it took the skull of a hippo. Oh no. And <laughs> like, if start. you look at the skull of it, like the teeth are just enormous. Like it looks terrifying. Yeah, for sure. And they kind of put skin around it like you would a dinosaur. And it looks like just a demon possessed monster. But then you see the real life picture of a hippo and say that's really what the animal looks look like. So I think like a T-Rex, all of these dinosaurs that were, were digging up all these bones, I don't think they looked anything like what we're Photoshopping. Really? I, I mean, because look at the hippo. If you look that's at the hippo. That's fascinating. Because no. we're just basing it off the skull. We've No one's ever seen a dinosaur. No that's very seen. fair. Yeah. yeah. So That's why They could have been cuddly. You never know. Probably not. But probably I, not. I can think that. Probably not. Or like you could probably ride him like a horse, you know, like ride yeah. around a T-Rex. That's right. Could be fun. You never know. You never know. Okay, so like I said, this is Matt, a pastor on staff. So, like, yes. real quick, can you just kind of introduce yourself, what you do on staff, how you got to Crossings? Yeah, absolutely. So, I've been on staff for around 15 years, and uh, I've been our communications director. And then recently, I was ordained, and I've now transitioned into a full time pastor role in our adult education and men's discipleship. And with that, is this kind of help? Uh, I get to participate in a ministry called Alpha. And I think that's what we want to talk a yeah. little bit about today. So that's been really fun. And in fact, Alpha was the kind of the tipping point for me to can even consider ordination and uh, being a pastor. So that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So launching in real quick, probably not real quick actually, but um, can you kind of tell us your story and how you yeah. came to know the Lord and just how you came to have your own faith? Yeah. So I grew up in church, a small country church. Uh, in the middle of Oklahoma, and went to church every Sunday, had a great family, a great childhood and upbringing, and I loved that church. It was a a tiny country church that just really loved each other well, and so I got to see 
a lot of really cool things as a kid about helping people in need and really stepping in and uh, taking care of the church community. Uh, but as I got older, um, I went to college, classic story about going to college. You know, I don't, I used to say I had a boring testimony. I think more accurately, it's an ordinary or common mm, yeah. testimony. And I think especially central Oklahoma, uh, you Bible know, Belt. Bible Belt. I grew up in the 80s and 90s. So that was that kind of full, you know, the 90s Christian movement, you know, that was happening. Yeah. Uh, so I grew up into, I grew up in that and I go to o- Oklahoma State. Go Pokes. Go Pokes. And um, didn't know what I believed and why. And I just got wrecked. I went to, I call it the buzzsaw. Uh, every high school senior is about to go into a buzzsaw and they're, they're either ready for it or they're not. And I clearly was not. So I just spiraled out, out of control. And uh, long story short, what I, what, what I, looking back, now I'm, I'm now 40. So now I can look back and see what that kid was going through. Uh, I, was, I was projecting this ideal self that I had picked up in my childhood saying, this is what a Christian should do, what they should be like, uh, all the good things that Christians do. I'm going to project that to the world. Meanwhile, my real self is struggling and i never i never got to the real self as i'm a sinner in need of a savior and so what i would do is i'd fill in that gap of ideal self and real self with uh uh, binge drinking partying you name it anything that a college kid could do um so that that's that's kind of my college experience well i moved to oklahoma city uh ended up getting married and we tried out crossings for the first time and a friend of mine introduced me to apologetics and I, I just, I'd never heard of apologetics, but once I started to look into it, I just assumed it was the guy with the bullhorn in the middle of library lawn screaming at every sorority girl that walked by. Repent or die. Yes, that guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and every college campus seems to have somebody like that. There's always that. that guy. Yeah. The soapbox, the screaming at the top of their lungs. Uh, Buckley, beat, for sure. Yeah. Beating people with a Bible, you know. Yeah. Um, so I thought, oh, that that's probably what this apologetics thing is. Well, I started looking into it, read books, podcasts, and blogs, and really found out for the first time that we have strong reasons to believe in Christianity. We mm-hmm. have really good um, historical facts. Uh, uh, just mm-hmm. m- the morality argument is something that I just latched onto because I was I was trying to project that good guy mm-hmm. gospel. Real quick, can you define apologetics? For oh yes, don't I'm know sorry. What it is. I'm no, sorry. You're yeah. fine. I was like, I yeah. feel like the concrete definition. Like, hey, this is what it is. I probably can't define it, but I'll tell you what. Here's here's what I picked <laughs> up on. It. Here's a loose understanding yeah, yeah. of apologetics. So, uh, I believe the root word is apologia. So it's it's giving a defense for okay. something, and so there are apologetics for um, you know atheism or some way of life or some movement or you know. There's different pockets that there's there's apologists for. Mm-hmm. So a Christian apologist would be giving arguments and defending the faith of Christianity. So uh, picked up some books on that. Uh, really, I just soaked it up like a dry sponge. And this friend and I would meet periodically, and he he kind of walked me through some apologetic principles. And one of the books that I picked up was called Tactics, and it was just a game plan to to be ready to share your faith. And in that was First Peter 3.15, always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have and mm-hmm. do it with gentleness and respect. So anytime leading up to that, when faith or Christianity was brought up, first of all, I was not gentle or respectful. And I realized this because I didn't understand that hope. 
Yeah. I didn't know what I believed and why. So I couldn't defend it. And so I, I love that first Peter passage. Uh, I think it's 315. Um, that's the, yeah, we might need to look it I'll up. I'm, I'm, Keep going. Yeah. I got you. Uh, I'm terrible at memorizing like scripture placement, but I can paraphrase like crazy. So uh, always be prepared to give reasons. That is for correct. The, yes. Okay. Well done. Nailed it. All right. Uh, <laughs> I get a sticker. Nice. Um, yeah. So that that was a Bible verse that I latched onto. And, and honestly, I'll, I'm going to, I will quote Andy on this. I marinated on that verse oh, for <laughs> at least a year. Like I just, I was like, well, how do I always be prepared? How? What am I supposed to do? Mm-hmm. What hope do, am I claiming to have to actually believe in that hope? And how can I be gentle and respectful in doing that. And what I realized for me, because I have to boil everything down to bite-sized chunks. So like a, a, a question that I can just wrestle with is why am I a Christian? What would I say to somebody who asked me, well, why not this worldview or why not this religion? Or why, why are you a Christian? One of the apologists that I was reading, and I'll paraphrase him, uh, he has a, a book called Story of Reality. It's Greg Kokel, K-O-U-K-L. He's out on the West Coast somewhere. Uh, Greg, we'll link it. Don't worry. Oh, you, oh, nice. Okay. Uh, he has a book uh, called Story of Reality. And he, and I love the way he said it, and I kind of made it my own, but uh, he basically said, the God of the Christian Bible best explains reality. Mm. And you have to put that qualifier in there best because it doesn't fully explain reality. So that... I was like, yes, okay, I can get behind that. Like, especially with morals mm-hmm. and morality and mor- the moral law, Christianity is a best explanation for the way that things are. So I, I latched onto that, and that that's something that I really um, meant, meant a lot to me in my just my personal journey, mm-hmm. and it just kind of turned me to well, if if there's a best explanation, then how do I know? what that explanation is. Mm-hmm. And that points me to the Bible. So, um, and then that sent me on another deep dive about the reliability and <laughs> authenticity of the scripture. But yeah. Yeah. So, Sorry. I've been talking for a long no, time, but that's fine. basically a, a, yeah. a brief rundown of, yeah. Of how you came up. Like, yeah. That's yeah. awesome. So I think a question for that I would have is what were like some hangups that you had? Like, were you, you said you always wanted a reason to defend your faith, but was there ever a time that you kind of had doubts like, okay, like, am I believing in the right thing? I don't feel it X, Y, Z. Cause I think as someone who grew up in church, I, for me, at least I reached this point around college. Where I was like, okay, like I believe this my whole life mm-hmm. and I don't know the facts to back it up. And that is terrifying. Yeah. And so for you, like, did you have the moment where you're like, you were doubting or how did you get to where you're like, I need to know this? Yeah. I, I think, so I got to the point about the Bible, you know, mm-hmm. and, and okay. All of this sounds great. Um, you can look around. Everybody, every, I came to this conclusion that everybody, no matter your background or worldview, we all ask the same questions. What's wrong with humankind? Is there a solution? And how do I know what that is? <laughs> like everybody, everybody's wrestling with those same questions. So I think what I was trying to do in the college and young adult phase of my life was really wrestle with what is wrong with me? What is wrong with this world? And then is there a solution? And how can I find out what that is? Yeah. I didn't, I probably didn't articulate it that way, but that's what I was struggling with internally. And um, so res- wrestling with that, what was the question? I just went blank. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, you're okay. Basically what um, doubts 
did you have like about basis? And we talked yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. before we got on the podcast of how for a lot of people it's very much a feeling they have this moment like, okay, yes. like I felt the Lord and he came and spoke to me or I just yeah. felt the Holy Spirit. And then from that point on, I was changed. Thank you. Like, did yeah. you have that moment or what did that process look like for you when that switch flipped? That's where I was trying to go. That So to me, the big question I had was how can this 2000, 20, you know, 3000 year old book mean anything to me today? Mm-hmm. Like what, what is this thing? And should I even bother? Yeah. Bother. Yeah. yeah. Because I came to the conclusion that if, well, for me, it all hinged there that if I can't trust that that's not reliable, then I'm throwing the whole thing out. I don't think that's necessarily everybody's Don't thought process. The yeah. Like yeah. I, that's just like, well, everything kind of, I find about who Jesus is in the in the Bible. If you can't trust the Bible, then I can't trust this mm-hmm. idea of who Jesus is. So very logical. Yeah. In like, conclusion. Yeah. It, and if I so I I think that would have been my biggest hurdle was all of that sounds great about morality, uh finding a solution. And the way I'm gonna find that solution is the Bible. So then that became my big question of can I even trust the Bible? Mm-hmm. Uh is it reliable? Is it authentic? What is inerrancy versus versus infallibility? Like all of that stuff, um, I started to wrestle with. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. How how was that process for you? Like that wrestling through? Did you have like community to help you? Did you have the church to help you? Because I know, at least for me, like the way that I grew up, sometimes when I had questions about the Bible or its mm-hmm. authenticity, it almost felt shut down. And so I think for a lot of people, they're really hesitant to even bring up those doubts or concerns or the fact that they don't blindly believe. So what would you say to the person who feels guilty for not blindly believing and how can they have steps forward? Yeah. Blind faith doesn't work for me. Um, (laughs) Me Taking a leap of faith doesn't, you know, I I think there's good intentions behind that, what people say. And and I'm sure I've said it a time or two, but um, I'm sure there's good intentions, but I do think that there's a gift of faith that some people possess and some of us don't. And yeah. I, and I, I just, I wrestle with that a, that a lot, but um, you know, it, we talked a little bit about alpha. Um, so alpha is a program or course that crossings uh, we, we hold on, on occasions. It's not like an ongoing it's it, once you're in, you can pop in anytime, but uh, it's a 15 week at most. Sometimes we, we uh, bring it down to like a 10 week and there's a topic that's introduced and um, we get to discuss it around a table. And that, what you just said comes up quite often. Cause that was my story. Like, well, I don't even know if I'm saved. I don't even know if I trust the Bible, but who, who can I turn to? Because if I, if I turn to my church way back then, not crossings, if I turn to my church, will they even accept me anymore? Mm-hmm. Are we going to. Well, someone who grew up in church, like that is terrifying. And you're, you're supposed to know it. It's, yeah. I think that's the big part. And that's what I want to communicate to like people already because that was my biggest struggle. It's like, yeah. I'm supposed to have this figured out by now. Right. And I don't. Right. And so there's, I think there's that embarrassment that comes with that as well of like, okay, like I've been in church my whole life. I've learned all these things, but I still don't fully believe and I don't know why. Right. And so I think creating a space for those questions to hold them well is really important. And what you were saying is like Alpha is a really good space for that. Mm-hmm. It is. is. Awesome. We, we had a guy, uh, the, the very first time we... Uh, held an alpha course. I think we've had like 15 or 16 of them now. Um, He said just that. He said, I've grown up at church. I'm in a men's Bible study. Uh, His wife, uh, he and his wife were in a Sunday school class every Sunday. I go to this service and I don't know if I can trust the Bible. 
Mm-hmm. And he goes, I got questions. Well, and I pointed to the logo and our, our logo for Alpha is a big question mark. I was like, you're in the ah. right place. <laughs> and he's like, I got a lot of questions. And, and so that was a big hangout for him. And so he and I, of course, bonded really quickly because I was like, yes, did you know this about the Bible? You know, and, and uh, so I, th- I think that's a pretty common thing for people who grew up in the church, at least maybe in this area of the country that it was a cultural thing that we did. Mm-hmm. Then you you become a certain age and you start asking questions to yourself that you can't answer. Or maybe you, you're you getting mm-hmm. questions from classmates or a, a roommate or a coworker, somebody who's challenging your faith and and you don't know how to handle it. Mm-hmm. It can it can rattle you. And, and I think in a good way, because it, it rattled me to go search for those answers. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and I think too, because we're seeing a lot and like, I think it's the past couple of years recently about like, deconstruction, all of these things as such a negative thing. It's like, okay, like people are so scared to question their faith and to question their foundation because they Mm -hmm. think that God's not going to hold up to the questioning. Mm -hmm. In reality, what Mm -hmm. we talk about a lot is deconstruction isn't a bad thing. Like it's good to break apart your faith and figure out why you believe what you believe, but you need to do it in a place where you can reconstruct it with a firm foundation. Exactly. So I think there is a part of analyzing and assessing your faith that has to happen in your 20s. Like, okay, like I can't blindly believe this anymore. Right. But yeah. you need to do it in a place like, okay, like I'm going to see these answers and just trust that like God can stand up to the testing. And I think for me, that was the biggest hang up. I was like, I don't want to know because I cannot handle things crumbling. Yeah. And so I was so hesitant to dive into it for a long time because I'm like, I'm worried that my foundation is going to get completely rattled and it won't hold up. Interesting. And so I yeah. think that's really important to note with people is like, God can take your questioning. Yeah. God can take your doubts. They're not wrong. It's not sinful to have questions and to want to know answers. Yeah. Like God is not a God who hides himself from us. And so I think that's really important to note in this process hmm. as well. Absolutely. Oh, that's good. So since you said you volunteer with Alpha and you kind of mm-hmm. do a lot with that, what are some questions that you get a lot or... Um, just some things that you see are pretty common denominators of people who have those hangups. You mentioned like biblical inerrancy and infallibility. Mm-hmm. So one, can you explain what that is for those who don't know? And then just any other questions that you, like you see are common hangups? Yeah. Um, I hope I can define it well or well enough. So this is pretty cheesy, but this is the way I, please Google it and check <laughs> me on this. Um, infallibility this is oh, this is so elementary, Paige. This is embarrassing. Okay, I got it. No, hang on. Okay, test me. No, no, you go first. I want to hear your version okay. first. Okay, infallibility has an F. So that means everything that has to do with faith in the spiritual life, the Bible is true. Is that close? Okay. No, keep going. Yes. Okay, inerrancy has to do with historical fact and truth. So everything that the Bible says about history is true. Is that, I mean, I'm, I'm, there's probably way, I'm, I'm leaving out a lot. but <laughs> Okay, hold on. So the true. word infallible is trustworthy. So you're correct. Yeah. It's like when referring to scripture, infallible is usually used to mean that it is reliable and trustworthy. And inerrancy means there are no errors. No errors mm-hmm. in, a, in a historical sense. Mm-hmm. Like it's, if David was king for from here to here or this mm-hmm. uh, tribe moved from here to here, there's yes. historical backing to, yeah. Yes. Which in, in a, what we talk about in Alpha is there's been no archaeological evidence to disprove anything in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Not everything has been found or proven, but there hasn't been anything to my oh, knowledge. Oh, this didn't happen. What's that? Like there hasn't been like, a, oh, this right, didn't happen. Right, This is proof. Or that, this didn't happen in this way. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's pretty cool to think about. And I didn't know that when I was kind of mm-hmm. looking into and researching the integrity of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, what I love about the Bible as well, because I didn't know this, is it is the, there are the most original copies of 
biblical text of any ancient mm-hmm. text, which I think is really fascinating because we have people that like never question Homer, the Iliad, yeah. Aristotle, Plato. Like they're like, oh yeah, absolutely, these happen. That's right. And you look, and they have like the smallest amount of text, while the Bible gets questioned all the time, and there is. That's right. Mountains. So many more copies. Mountains. There's a, and um, kind of in my studying the Bible and apologetics, I, I stumbled on the Center for New Testament Studies. Uh, I think they're in Dallas. And there's a guy named Dan Wallace. And um, they they talked about that, the same thing. And, I, and, and the way that they put it was was something I could latch on to. They said, like, like you said, those ancient texts that we all say, yes, 100% reliable, mm-hmm. um, Herodotus or uh, Caesar's Gallic War, whatever it is, uh, if you were to take those manuscripts and stack them up, you would get a, a a pile of paper that's about four feet tall, which I think that's a lot to work with. And they're like, that's pretty good. Like yeah. all, you know, some of the other stuff that they get, it would, you know, it would just be, a, yeah. Yeah. But the really, really good stuff, it's about four feet tall. So there's a lot to pull from. And those copies, because it's not the original, but those copies are about eight to 900 years after the original. The difference between that and the New Testament just New Testament, not Old Testament, just the New Testament is uh, if you were to take the New Testament manuscripts and stack them one on top of the, um, on top of each other, it would go a mile high. So not not just four feet. Wow. Like it's it's stretching 5,000 feet, you know, of two, 20, I think it's 25,000 plus Greek manuscripts wow. that are, well, Greek, Latin, and other languages mm-hmm. that all agree with each other. And that's the other cool thing is you have that much mountain of evidence and there's manuscripts that actually verify each other. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Now, that by itself is impressive, but those copies are some of them within 100 years or 300 years of the original manuscript. So closer to the original dating, and you have a mountain of evidence more. And so with that, you're going to have punctuation errors. You're going to have, or we'll say that probably didn't have punctuation, but you're going to have <laughs> small, yeah, minor yeah. things changes from manuscript to manuscript. And so one of the uh, one of the atheists that I that I kind of followed there for a while is Bart Ehrman. He would say that there's more errors in the New Testament than words. And according to Dan Wallace and some people like that, they say, well, that's kind of true, but it's not errors that disagrees with each other. No. These are very these are minor errors that it doesn't change the message. It doesn't change the meaning. And so if you're going to count all of those, then yeah, sure, there's there's errors, mm-hmm. but it's not errors that are, that it would change the gospels or the New Testament message. Mm-hmm. So all of that was something I was just soaking in because I had never heard of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think too, that wasn't really popular. I think yeah. a lot of times growing up, like in church in the Bible Belt, like that's not what was presented, mm-hmm. and so because people I think were afraid to find the answers. Yeah. And because they were living that time where like, okay, people are unraveling over one thing. And so yeah. I think it's really cool that we're entering in an age now where that evidence is there and right. people are seeking it out and they're proving it, which is awesome. Right. So I think biblical infallibility and errancy is a really big one right mm-hmm. now. What are some other questions that you hear come up? People like, hey, like I struggle with this. Like what's a repeat? Oh, an alpha? Yeah. Oh, man. Um there alpha is really closer to what we would call a life care group Mm -hmm. in my opinion you peel back for some people their story is right at the surface so when they come in angry at god or angry at the church 
uh, it doesn't take long to figure out why. Like, oh, that's why you, that experience led you to believe this about God or Jesus. And Mm -hmm. uh, there's other people that it takes them a little bit longer, but everybody has a story behind their hangups. And so what Alpha does, it gives you an opportunity to share your worldview or how you came to your conclusion. It gives me an opportunity to share how I came to my conclusion. And we do it in a respectful way. And in some ways, what I've experienced is the, the skeptic gets to hear for the first time that a Christian is asking very similar questions. And a Christian is saying, you think that one's bad? Have you asked <laughs> Have this one? Have you heard one? about this one? Have <laughs> yes. you even got here Have yet? Have you even got to, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, okay, yeah, jo- Jonah, did Jonah really happen? Yeah, that's that's a that's a big one. But mm-hmm. have you considered the Canaanites? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Have you considered this? <laughs> yeah. Because I don't know. If, I think that's really important. And I love what you're talking about yeah. because it's an environment that fosters questioning and yes. fosters yeah. really solidifying your faith in such a respectful yeah. way. And I think we don't see that a lot no. in our culture as people like having opposing ideas and talking about them in a way that yes. is constructive rather than destructive. That's right. Can I share a story about Absolutely. that? So that that reminded me of, uh, early on in, in a couple of our alpha courses. Um, uh, so so in my group, I had, I had like the perfect group, in my opinion. It was the, the church goer who had questions. It was the atheist and the atheist friend who brought the atheist. And what's really cool about that story really quick is that um, uh, the friend who goes to church said, listen, I don't have a PhD in Jesus. You're asking me all of these <laughs> questions. I can't answer. Let's just go to this thing called Alpha that my church is doing. We'll go to one week. If you hate it, we never have to come back. I was like, that is perfect invite. You go, you have mm-hmm. a meal, you get to watch a video, which is about 20 minutes. It introduces a topic. And then you talk at a table with people that you kind of assume don't have the same worldview as you, but everybody does it in a respectful tone. Um, we, I mean, we've had a few people get a little hot, but they, once they get to see like what's going on, they're like, oh, this is kind of refreshing. Like I mm-hmm. can just let off some steam and you're not going to judge me. Yeah. Like, no, no, go for it. Something like Alpha, and it could be done in a living room, a coffee shop. It doesn't have to be at the church. It's just a great opportunity to sit down with people who have different worldviews and just feel respected mm-hmm. and have a conversation, which is something that I never uh, considered would be uh, valuable to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't really see that as being a, uh, something that I would find interesting. So Yeah, absolutely. And I think, too, just creating a space for people in process because we're all people in process. And yeah. I think yeah. there's just this idea that once you come to church, there's this time like, you have to come to church, get a other, get saved, yeah. know all your things. And well, like it's a lifelong pursuit and that's okay. And so I think like I want to encourage our young adults and encourage people who have questions. Is like it's okay to have questions and it's okay to not have it all figured out. You're not on a linear timeline. Right. Like the Lord is patient and he yeah. walks with you and wrestles with you in those things. And like there are stories after story in the Bible of God hmm. wrestling, like he wrestled with Jacob. He wrestled mm-hmm. with people like there are doubts all the time in the Bible and it God doesn't dis- like do away with the person because they doubt. That's right. Which I think is really important. Yeah. So before we wrap up, is there any other stories, things that you want to share, encouragement for someone who may just be sitting in that camp of like, okay, I have all of these questions. Hmm. Does that make me a bad Christian? Does that make me someone X, Y, Z? Like, what would you say to that person? Uh, as you were saying that, it made, it, it made me think of the prodigal son. Mm-hmm. So when he came to his senses, I think is the way it phrases that. When yep. he came to his senses, he went back home. 
And then the rest of the story is that the father gets up, runs out and meets him, uh, gives him a big hug and throws a party. Nowhere in there is the father asking, so how much did you, did you figure out? Are you like, what, what scale of Christian are you? Let me give you a test you? first. Yes. Yeah. Here, no, he, he welcomed, welcomed the son home mm. with open arms. Um, so I feel like that, that's something I have to remind myself. Well, how much do I have to believe? Like, well, that's a terrible question. That's, <laughs> well, and just the idea that, like, like yeah. if you've read the prodigal son story, like, there's an older son who has been with the father who has yeah. stayed all the time, who didn't have questions, who didn't leave. Yeah. And so just the idea, because uh, one of the questions that we were wrestling through after talking, Terry's talk last night, because Terry also came to know the Lord later in life, hmm. was just, like, God, does God love me less because it took me longer to oh, find wow. him? Yeah. And so just the idea that, like, no, like, that's not mm-hmm. God loves when his kids come to him, yeah. regardless of how long it took you to get there, what path you took to get there, or mm. what questions you had to work through. Yeah. Just it's like the, the lost sheep. Exactly. It gets, you know, leaves mm-hmm. a 99 and, go, and then throws another party. So yeah. it's, <laughs> it's a big celebration yeah. when you turn and, and go to him, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how. You know, I would answer that if somebody asked, how much do I have to believe? How, how would you counsel them? I think it's less of a litmus test and more of a heart posture. So it's less mm-hmm. of like, a, okay, you have to know this, 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 this. And I'd like, I hope you have a heart that wants to know the Lord and mm-hmm. is striving to know the Lord. Because I think when yeah. you put an actual miracle test or anything like that on it, it creates a finishing point. And the reality is... We're never going to fully know God. And so if you think you have, you probably need to check your humility because I can guarantee you that you don't. And so just the idea of like, I hope you have a heart that's always pursuing the Lord, that's always asking questions, that's always asking for more knowledge. Yeah. And so that would be my encouragement is like, you are on a great path if you are questioning because you are seeking. And the Lord promises like, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Mm. And it's just the idea like that God meets you when you're seeking, which is really important. Absolutely. So just to kind of wrap this up real quick, I want to encourage you guys, like, if that is you, like, there's a space for you here at Crossings. We welcome your questions. We want to meet with you, talk with you, me, Matt, Andy, Oakley, anyone on staff would love to just sit down and talk with you in that space. Um, Matt has a bunch of resources about apologetics, alpha, other things like that. So we're going to link those in the bottom of the podcast as well, or um, come find one of us at church and we would love to point you in the right direction. Uh, We're praying for you and we're rooting for you. And so... Um, we just hope that you know this is a space where you are welcomed. Boom. We're done? We're done. Oh. <laughs>